What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So yeah, Aldi Paola, I am one of the elders here. I just want to thank Pastor Chris and the elders for entrusting me with a message this morning. Um, so one of the things that I'm responsible for here at the church is the finances, right? So what's interesting about that uh, is if you look at the different disciples in the, in the scripture and how amazing they were, you know, you had John the Beloved, you had Peter, you had all these amazing men of God in the, in the Bible. And then there was the guy that took care of the finances for Christ. Uh, his name was Judas. We won't go further. <laughs> Don't worry, Pastor Chris, I'm not going to turn you over to the authorities. <laughs> well, maybe for... No, never mind. So, yeah, so this morning we are talking about money, but let me deal with a couple of things that this sermon is not about first. So what this sermon is not about is getting more money out of you, right? Is to guilt you into giving more money to the church, right? We don't pass a basket around for that purpose. Why? Because that's between you and God, right? So it's, it's not about that. We don't push for, for you to give. That's you and God that decides that. Also, this is not a finance class or, or a budgeting class, right? What this sermon is, is, is something that's needed for us to have the right mindset, or the right mindset about how we plan our finances. It's real important that our mindset be right. What do I mean by that? Well, there are a couple of things that, that people look at when they look at uh, the gospel as far as finances are concerned, right? There's people that say things like, well, you know, I'm for the, the prosperity gospel. You know, I really believe that God really wants to bless and just pour out his financial blessings on us, make us wealthy beyond our imagination. So we have the gold-plated Cadillac. Well, maybe not the gold-plated Cadillac, but anyway, that's, that's God, right? Because he's a loving and caring God. Then there's the other side that says, no, it's about the poverty gospel, right? God wants us to have nothing he really wants us to, to be able to free ourselves from all materialism and whatever. So the question then is, what about you, Al? What, what do you believe? you believe in prosperity gospel or in the poverty gospel? But you know what? It's the wrong question. Question's wrong. Why? It puts the focus in the wrong place. Because where it puts the focus is on you. And it's not about you. It's not about you. So there was this guy, he was uh, new to the corporation. Let's call him John. So John gets hired in this corporation as an executive vice president, and he's managing a division, one of the divisions for this um, multinational corporation. So he gets this job, and of course, one of the first things he needs to do is formulate a budget, a plan for the finances. Why? Because, of course, you need money in order to function and operate, right? So he needs to go to the board. So the board has to approve this, of course. So he goes to the board for this money, comes into the meeting, sits down, right? He has not prepared at all. He has no slides, no 
nothing, no papers, no nothing, just sits down. So the board's kind of scratching their heads wondering, okay, this is kind of strange, what's, what's, this, what's this guy doing? And he goes, so uh, just to let you guys know, um, I'm going to need uh, about uh, $2 million uh, for what, I'm, you know, what I need to do here for the company. I need like $2 million. So, because I, I need to live a good life, you know? I mean, I need to be able to provide well for my family. Uh, I need to have money so I can buy the car that I really want and the house that I really want. So, so I, I really need you to give me this money so that I can do the things that I need to do for my family and for my life. Okay? So think about that for a minute. What's this board thinking at this time, right? Well, first of all, they're thinking, I hired the wrong guy, <laughs> right? Because why? Because, listen what I'm going to say, because what the board is thinking is, it's not about you. You're not coming to the board, and we're not going to give you money and, and resources so that you can spend on whatever you want to spend it on. It's not about you. What's it about? It's about the vision of the corporation. It's about the purpose for him and his division, right? So first there's a vision that this corporation has. Then they bring on this guy into that vision to support a piece of it, right? He doesn't need to worry about the entire vision. Everybody understand where I'm going with this, right? He doesn't have to understand the whole vision and everything that's going on. He just has to do his part, right? So his job was to come on board and find out what's the vision? What is this corporation attempting to do? What is my part in that? What is my part that I need to do as being part of this, you know, as far as being part of this corporation? The problem is, as Christians, a lot of times we just have the wrong understanding of finances because we misapply scriptures, right? And, and we misunderstand our part in things. There are basically two things we do wrong with our finances. One, we don't plan at all. So there's the carefree person that, hey, que sera, sera, right? Is that the way you say it? That's a French thing, right? I think that's a French thing. So whatever happens, happens. God's got my back, right? No planning, no, no concern for anything, right? Then there's a, there's a second mistake. that uh, So that's one mistake some people make. Another mistake people make is they plan without God. They plan without considering his vision for him being part of what God is doing and doing his part knowing his purpose and his plan for his, for, for his life. And the reason is, it's because we get so caught up in ourselves, right? And a lot of it has to do with culture, it really does. Unfortunately, culture dictates a lot of things, it really does. And it does in the Christian world too, although it shouldn't. Shouldn't. It shouldn't be about, about the culture. The culture shouldn't be influencing us we need to be influencing the culture, right? It's got to be the other way, uh, that other way around. So, so culture, of course, says, you know, hey, you know, uh, it's, 
it's all about you, you know, do what you need to do to, to live a great life, live a happy life, to have the things that you need to do, because you deserve it, right? You, you need to have the things that, 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 uh, that, this, that this great country has to offer, right? You know, there's a cause and effect to what we do, right? And in handling our relationship with Christ, there's a cause and effect. A lot of times when we look at Scripture, we look at just parts of it, parts of it that talk about the things of like um, how God wants to bless us and give to us. And Well, let me go to this. Let me go to uh, 3 John 2. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. It sounds great. But just like a lot of other Scriptures, we like to stop there right? There's more to that verse. It says this, as it goes well with your soul. So what's the, this is of course written in the Greek. What's the meaning from the Greek? What John is wishing here is, he's talking to Gaius, right? What John is wishing here is that Gaius does well and is healthy, but it depends on the right direction of his soul, right direction of his soul and attitude. Right direction depends on what we do or don't do, our motives, our desires, and our attitudes. Motives, desires, and attitudes. Why are we doing what, what we're doing, right? Is it that we want to go to God and say, God, give me a million bucks because you love me, right? That's like going to the board, right, and asking for the two million bucks, right? So... Um, what we first have to do is we have to start by understanding that, that, first of all, that God owns everything, right? And he has a vision and plan for everything he owns, right? He has a vision and plan for everything he owns, including you and everything you have, right? Everything you have belongs to God, and even you belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And it ends this way, which is really profound to me. You are not your own. You're not your own. It's not about you. Not your own. Colossians 1, 16 and 18 says this, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Through him and for you? Through him and for who? For him. Through him, all things. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything he might be preeminent. In everything he's first. In everything he's first. In my life, in, in what I do and what I don't do, in what I have and what I don't have, he's first. Psalm 50, 10 to 12 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. 
If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Luke 16, 1-2, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. Interesting that, that Luke puts that there because what he's trying to show with, this, with that scripture is that everything that this manager did with the funds, whatever he spent the funds on, whatever he was using the money for, right, was outside of what the master intended for those funds. It was outside of what the master intended, right? We need to know what the master intends for the funds that he's going to entrust with us. Why? Because otherwise we won't get to manage it, right? Think about common sense, right? Think, go back to that board, right? Would you trust this guy <laughs> with the $2 million to run your division? Of course not. Of course not. So in order to be able to manage, we have to be trusted with what God has given us to, to manage. And then that's rewarded by God, of course. What we tend to do is we always tend to consider ourselves first before anyone else, including God. We want what we want. We want the American dream, right? Because we deserve it, right? Because we live in a great country that has that available to us. The problem is with culture pushing so hard, we try to make that happen, right? So we... we we want money. We get, try to get money. We try to make money. We try to make that. And then when there's not enough money, what do we do? We take out the credit card. Yeah. That's so easy. It's like, hey, I deserve that. Oh, you know, I don't have the cash. Oh, but I got a $20,000 line of credit. Cool. I'll worry about paying it later. But yeah, actually, I only have to pay a little bit each month. By the way, where that concept started, believe it or not, it's not, it's not an old concept, really. Uh, it began in 1919. So in 1919, uh, Ford Motor Company was, of course, making the car that most people could afford. They were mass-producing that Model T or Model A, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. But they were mass-producing this car, and the average person could afford this car. Well, there were other car companies that were getting hurt by this because everybody was buying the Ford because they could afford the Ford. So General Motors was trying to come up with an idea of how to sell more of their vehicles because their vehicles were more high-end and they were selling to individuals that had more money. And of course, there's not a big pool of those individuals. So they were trying to think of a way, well, how do, how do, I, how do, how do I sell more, more cars? So they came up with a great idea. So what they did was uh, they, they put an advertisement out there, and the advertisement said, you can own a General Motors vehicle for the same price as a Ford motor car and have a much nicer car, more powerful engine, beautiful luxury interior. And then there was a little asterisk. And on the bottom it said, plus monthly payments of X. So what they did was they said, for the same money you could drive away, and then every month you have this little payment that you make every month, right? Now look at where we are today, right? So it's unusual. It's a shame. 
Uh, I'm going to say it because I think it needs to be said. It's a shame, but we buy cars on credit. I don't know why we do that, right? That's something that is just uh, something that we, we really need to rethink. And it all started there with General Motors. Why? Because I deserve it. I deserve the better, nicer car. This is just, ah, oh, what an awesome... And you know what? I only have to bring my $500 there instead of bringing it to Ford. That's all I need to do. And I drive away with this car. And then, of course, I got those payments, but that's all right, whatever. That's basically where it all started, with that concept of, you know, you can have it and pay for it later type of thing. In the past, people would save for stuff. You know, we used to have things, I'm going to date myself, but we used to have things like, Christmas Club accounts. Anybody remember the Christmas Club account? Oh, yeah, some of you old guys that remember the Christmas Club account. You know, they, the, they tried to think of ways to help people save, right? What a concept. Nobody thinks of that today, right? Well, they don't want you to do that today. But they thought of ways to save. So what they did was they came out with a coupon book, and you can get them in different denominations, so you can get a $5 coupon book. So every, there was a due date every week, you ripped off a coupon, you went to the bank, and you put $5 into this account. And then by the time it got near Christmas, you get a check for well, the balance plus interest that was in the account. And then you could afford, you know, then you had money for Christmas. What a concept, right? Now, we don't worry about it so much. Why? Got the credit card, baby! Yeah! <laughs> credit card! So don't worry about it in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, whatever months it takes me to pay that off. But at least I can buy what I want to buy, right? The problem with that concept, if you notice I said January, February, March, because that can go on and on and on. Why? Because what most people don't really understand is what's called the power of compounding, right? Power of compounding. Compound interest makes a balance grow exponentially. I mean, it's crazy how fast a, a balance can grow because of compound interest. I just want to put up a slide. Jeremy, if you could put up the first slide. So if I said to you, Angel, today what I can do is I can give you $1 million in cash today. I'll take it. <laughs> or instead, I can give you one cent today and double it every day for 30 days. In other words, I give you one cent today, two cents tomorrow, four cents the day after, etc. So I double it every day. Which would you choose? It's a trick question. You probably could guess it's a trick question, right? So if, uh, wait, wait, I just want to point out, yes, I'm going to hear it later. They're Canadian cents. I know they are. But I couldn't find a slide I liked with American sense on it. I went crazy trying to find this slide with it. Anyway, I figured, what there was a make? We've all seen a Canadian penny, right? Anyway, next slide. So here's what it looks like. By day 30, you have $5,368,709.12. Freaks you out, doesn't it? Isn't that freaky, the way that works? power of compounding it, doubling it every day, starting with just one cent. That's what you have at the end of 30 days. It's crazy. So let me put it in perspective with as far as uh, credits. Are, it, that's great if it's savings. If you're the one that's making the money, 
you're saving and banking the interest, right? And you're compounding it, right? So your savings can grow pretty quickly, it can, because you earn interest on your interest. That's what, I didn't define compounding, did I? That's earning interest on interest, right? The other part, the other problem, or the, the problem though becomes with the credit card, right? So the credit card works the same way, but it hurts you, right? So the, the issue though is with a credit card, interest rates tend to be really high. So, so it gets crazy. I'll give you an example. If you had a $5,000 credit card balance at 21% interest, right? Your, it depends on the company, but your average monthly minimum payment would be around $105 a month. That would be your minimum payment. If you only paid that minimum payment, it would take you nine years, not nine months, nine years to pay that $5,000 off. And you would have paid a total of $11,300 on a $5,000 balance. People, we need to be intentional about our finances. We need to be intentional about our finances. Where it starts is, is you've got to plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a budget, right? You've got to plan for it. Next slide, uh, Jeremy. So Benjamin Franklin had this quote, which I think is a great quote. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. So because of that, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we put a budget into place, right? Of course, the first step with creating a budget is prayer, right? Don't sit down and start to put together a budget without praying to God first. Why? It's not your money, and it's not about you, right? It's all about God and what his purpose and plan for your life. So make sure you understand that first so you do it bathed in prayer, a budget. But you need to do a budget. You have to do a budget. I know it's a dirty word, and, you know, someone's got someone's to talk about the hard stuff. Not everybody can do Song of Solomon and get everybody, you know, happy and feeling good about that, right? Somebody's got to do the, the hard stuff here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor Chris does a lot of hard stuff, too. But, yeah, because nobody gets excited about money. It's funny. Um, it's, well, this, one time, this one time I had to do a sermon for, uh, it was another church that wanted me to preach on tithing, you know, and stuff. And one of, the things, <laughs> one of the things I said to them was, you know, the importance of the tithe is so the church can function, right? It's basically the church can function. And I said, nobody gets excited about the electric bill, right? I mean, nobody gets up front and goes, today, we're going to have a special offering for the lights. Yes! Yeah, isn't that great? For the lighting. How cool. It's like, no, nobody gets excited about the electric bill. Oh, Lord, help me. I do that same thing at Pastor Chris. I go all off. Let me stay on track. Stay on track. All right. What's my time? Okay. That was free. That one was free. So we budget for, for three different things, right? So we sit down and do a budget. There's three different things we need to consider. Number one, first and foremost, of course, is our monthly expenses, including eliminating debt. Eliminating debt. Eliminating debt. There's no such thing as leveraging in, in God's world, right? There's no such thing as you know, managing debt. It's eliminating debt. We need to be debt-free. Scripture says... The debtor servant to the to the lender, right? 
So what we do is we come up with our we know we know what our expenses are. Fortunately, today it's easier to know because today we don't do a lot with cash, right? We do a lot with our debit, credit card, whatever, right? So we go to get coffee, you do it on a debit card. So we can see our expenses. We know what what our so we need to look back at what all our expenses look like. And we know we pay for the electric bill, the water bill, whatever. We need to do that exercise and get a good understanding of that. And then make sure we budget for it, meaning we set aside money for those things. Why? Because it shouldn't be a surprise when the electric bill shows up, right? That shouldn't be a huge surprise. Oh, look, what's this? It's an electric bill. <laughs> what? Where'd that come from? We know we got the electric bill to pay, and we know we got to pay it every month, so we need to budget for it. Why? Because if we don't budget for things, that's when we get into the problem where a bill comes and we go, wow, what happened to the money I had in the account? What did I do with all that money I had in the account, right? And then we're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, or worse, we go to the the credit card baby! Yeah! That's too easy to do, right? Uh, but our, but our, our country makes it that way. They make it easy to do that, of course. Because, of course, the banks and everything make a lot of money on it, of course. The second thing we need to do when we're looking at a budget is have money set aside for short-term purchases or expenses, including emergencies, right? So the, the very first thing you need to do when you're putting together a budget is set aside money to be able to build an emergency fund. We need to have money saved in an emergency fund. Why? Because emergencies happen, right? Right? They do happen. And unfortunately, a lot of times they surprise us, you know? It's like, oh, well, I need a battery for my car? It's only five years old. And I need a battery? I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise. Well, especially in Florida. I don't know if you can get five years out of a battery in Florida. But anyway, so that's pretty good. If you, but that shouldn't be a surprise. It's going to happen, right? Things happen. Or a car breaks down or, you know, nothing's perfect. Things happen. So we have that money set aside for that. We make a budget for that. Otherwise, we're reaching for credit card, baby. Charge it, worry about it later. Problem is, a lot of times, we're charging and charging and charging, and we're worrying about it later, worrying about it later, and then later never comes, because we're just in a cycle of debt then. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people are. And I can pretty much guarantee you, there are a lot of people sitting right here that are in a cycle of debt. They're just in a cycle of debt. And, it, it, no, you know, it's not to condemn, but to wake everybody up and to readjust and change that, change that mindset going forward. The third thing you need to save for is long-term, right? There's long-term purchases or, if, or also retirement, right, Pur uh, purposes. One of the things are, you know, if you're renting, you want to buy a house, right? So you're going to save money for eventually getting that down payment and, 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 and buying that house. So there's the long-term, which are usually the larger expenditures that you want to budget for. So you want to budget for all this in your budget. You want to put all this in a budget and save the money aside so that we're not running to the credit card and putting ourselves in a cycle of debt all the time. Can you imagine, can you imagine for a minute, 
what it would be like if you had absolutely no debt. That everything you earned, you could spend. I mean, on, on your expenses and stuff, right? No debt at all. What, what, a, what a freeing feeling that would be, right? That would be just, just such a freeing feeling. Just remember, every dollar you spend today takes it away from dollars you're going to spend tomorrow, right? Takes it away from that. That's why we need to think it through. What am I spending today? And what does it mean for tomorrow? Next slide. So uh, this is a great quote I like too, by a guy I can't pronounce his name. So I'm not going to try. Well, I can say Antoine, right? Isn't that the first name, Antoine? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. I think it's a French name. What's with all the French stuff today? I'm not even French. I don't know. What that is. Anyway, I like this quote. A goal without a plan is just a wish. It's just a wish. So what are we saying now? What do we need to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is make sure we've taken care of sin in our lives. What sin? A sin of selfishness? A sin of hoarding? A sin of it all be always being about me, right? Is it sin? Yeah. So first we need to do that. We need to take care of that in our lives. And we need to then make it, make it real that we are turning our lives over to you, Christ. You know, we say it. Do we mean it? Yeah, Lord, you're my Lord. Is he your Lord? So is he your Lord over everything? Is he the Lord over all of your money, all of your time, all of your resources? Is he truly Lord of your life? That's where it's got to start, guys, gals. It's got to start there. I always say guys because in New Jersey, guys is, is used for guys and gals, you know, like, down south, they say you all. Up there, we say use guys. You know, it's just, I don't know. Yes, use is a word. It's plural for you. <laughs> so, and, and you know what's funny? It's, one of the problems we have, too, is it's easy. It's just easy for us to kind of smooth it over. You know, like we say things to ourselves like, well, I'm not so bad. I mean, yeah, I have a car payment, maybe a little debt. Uh, I'm not so bad. But, you know, the Lord loves me and he knows I really wanted that, that $75,000 Mercedes. And, of course, he's, he wants me to have nice things. So I believe it was God that I was able to get that $75,000 Mercedes and have that $1,500 a month payment. That was totally God, right? right? We kind of, kind of smooth things over that way. Why? Because of culture. Because culture tells us, tells us, if you can afford that car payment, then go for it, right? When you go to a car dealer, right, what does they ask you? They don't ask you anymore today. So how much were you looking to pay for a car? They don't ask that question anymore. Anybody recently buy a car? What question did they ask you? Anybody know? What payment, right? What payment are you looking for? What payment are you looking for? They go right to the payment. Why? Because that's easier to sell you, right? Just like GM with, uh, against, uh, you know, going against Ford. Hey, it's 500 bucks down. It's just 500 bucks down. And an easy monthly payment. 
cool. And you could drive away with a much nicer, much better car. I did, um, one time I did a, um, uh, I was advising a client. I had an accounting practice, just so you know, I have, my background is accounting uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and one of the things I did there was, uh, it was a small local accounting practice, so I did everything financial. Uh, you know, I did mortgages and, fi and uh, financial advising, all that stuff, right? Because that's what you do uh, to make money, right? So the one person, this one lady comes, she wants to, do, to get a mortgage, right? So she's got her down payment, she's ready for, to apply for a mortgage. So I pull her, her credit report and I told her, I said, you can't because your debts are too high. And uh, I said, so what you need to do, I said, I'll advise you right off the bat, the first thing you need to do is get rid of the car and get another car. And she goes, oh, but I love that car. I said, okay, the car is a Mercedes-Benz that you, that you have on a lease that's costing you, 50, I think it was $1,500 a month. You make $50,000 a year, okay? That doesn't work. <laughs> so either you're going to live in your car or you're gonna get a house, but you can't have both. So you need to get rid of the car, right? That was way too much car. What, what, what possessed her to even think she could do that? It's culture, right? It's how we're, it's what we're told. We're bombarded with it by the media all the time, right? It's all about having stuff and good stuff and nice stuff. So Al, what are you telling me? We can't have nice stuff? No, I'm not telling you that. Of course I'm not telling you that. I drive a Mazda Miata. I love that car. <laughs> so you're going to have nice stuff that you love, of course. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the focus. What's the focus of your life? Where's the focus of your life? James 4, 1 to 3 says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So that's cool, all I have to do is ask. Notice, again, a lot of times people stop there. That's not where the verse ends. It goes on to say this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. There's a step you got to take. Commit everything to God. Everything gets committed to God. Then He acts. Why? Because just like that corporation hiring that, that executive uh, manager, right? It's about what the corporation is attempting to do and the purpose for that manager's life within that corporation, right? Psalm 37, 4 to 5 says this. Oh, I'm doing bad, ain't I, with time. <laughs> Psalm 37, 4 to 5 says this. Well, wait, before I say it, I'm going to say the part that... Um, Everybody likes in this verse, right? He will give you the desires of your heart. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. The problem is that's not the whole verse. What the verse says is, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. That's the whole verse. That's the whole verse there. So it takes more than just... Yeah, God loves me, so he's going to give whatever I want, uh, whatever I want to me. 
When we do those, we misunderstand our desires, right? The problem is we think we desire certain things, but that's because that's been convoluted by all the messages of the world. We got to pull all that stuff away, get alone with God, and find out what God wants. Why? Because God made you for a plan and a purpose, so what you think are your desires may not be your true desires. It's what's been kind of, uh, what you've been convinced of. But once you get all that uh, noise out of your head and you focus on God, and God begins to lead you into your purpose and plan for your life, that's where your desires link up with his, and there's joy. There's where real joy comes from. That's where real joy comes from. It's about linking ourselves with Christ. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead because I'm running out of time. (laughs) All right. So... Proverbs 10.22 says this, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. If we commit our ways to the Lord, if we give everything to him, if we get rid of all the noise from our heads that say that you need to have that gold-plated Mercedes-Benz or whatever else, if we get all the noise out of our heads and we seek God, he will reveal the true desires of our heart. It's, it is our desires. Look, he made you. So, there's, so the desires that give you the most joy are the desires he put in you because that's what he gave you. That's the way he made you, right? So, the, so fulfilling those desires he put in you brings you the real joy to your life. That's why people are not satisfied no matter how much they have, right? That's why you have wealthy people committing suicide, right? Because It's about knowing the plan and purpose and fulfilling that, that's where the joy comes. That's what your real desire is. You got to find that. You got to dig deep and find that and then change your life to conform to that because that's what God made you for. Listen, people, he wants you to have joy in your life. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have joy, right? He doesn't want you to be depressed, worried, Concern about the money, concern about the... He wants you to have joy in your life. But it's all got to start with us coming to the place where we go, God, I give up. It's all yours. Whatever you want me to do, whatever purpose you have, whatever plan, it's all yours. I give it all to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I just thank you so much that you are a good God. I thank you, Lord God, that you care for us, that you love us, that you have a good plan and purpose for our lives, that you have a place for us in this world, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to be people that understand what that place is and help us, Lord God, to put it all in your hands, everything, everything I own, everything I am, everything, put it in your hands. Why? Because that's the best place I can put it. Left to myself, it's not going to work. Maybe it's not working. Not working. It's not going to work. I need to put it in your hands, Lord. Help me to do that. I'm, I'm nervous about doing that, Lord, sometimes, because I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I trust you, Lord, and I put it in your hands, Lord. It's yours, all yours. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com dot com.